Hello and welcome back to the other 99% podcast where we take a step back from the 1% marginal gains that society has become obsessed with and instead focus on the other 99%. Throughout this series, we will focus on all things related to self-actualization and becoming the very best possible version of yourself. I'm your host, Tom Osmond, as always joined by George Cook. George, how are you today? Yeah, very good. Um, I enjoyed your second take of that. I'm definitely going to publish the first take. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get together, I'll take on there. My first, first mishap for a while. Yeah, you're allowed one. Yeah. And I was just saying before we start recording, I've got a bit of a croaky voice today, so apologies in advance. I think it's husky. Let's go with that. Yeah, sexy. <laughs> well, I don't know if I got that far. <laughs> um, How's your week been? Let's have a quick catch up. Yeah, good. I would say I would describe myself as exhausted at the moment. Um, Something like you. Yeah, for a change, I'm tired. Um, no, I. I mean, I sent you a couple of messages in the week where I think this this episode is really quite personal to how we've both been feeling recently, isn't it? Um, me, yeah. Extent, but like I've even driven to the gym in the morning and almost just driven straight home again. Um, just very, very tired, under recovered. Um, yeah. I think that's been kind of the recurring theme, like lots of good stuff, you know, some really good sessions, some really good progress. We're four weeks out from the channel swim now. So um, thanks to everyone that's donated to that. That's actually been quite um, successful so far, which is brilliant. I still need to, I will donate before you do it. Perfect. Um, yeah. It, you know, that that's been really great. So there's been lots of good stuff, but um, we, we've got the halftime break coming up next week. So I'm pretty excited for that. Yeah. I bet. Any plans for it or are you going to Amazon? You? Uh, yeah, we, well, we're stopping off there for a night. We're going, I've got my grand's 90th, um, first, so I can only imagine that'll be a rave, yeah. uh, late night, early hours, that sort of After stuff, rooms. yeah. And then, um, then we're heading down to Cornwall, uh, for a few days, which is, yeah, hopefully a bit sunny. Lovely stuff, yeah. How about you? I've officially left Manchester, which I'm happy about, and I did my very happy, hey, very happy, aren't you? Yeah, I'm very happy, yeah. I don't know why. I'm sure we'll talk talk about it in today's episode. Like I said, it's probably going to be a bit of a therapy session for me. Um, yeah, and did my first shift at Nuffield Health today, so I'm going to go into the world of personal training and start my online coaching again. And I'm really, really excited about it. Um, so I'm going to spend a bit of time over the next few weeks kind of working out what my niche is, who I want my target audience to be, um, and get some training programs together. Fantastic. Where can people who are listening to this, where can they get in touch with you at the moment? Um, the best place is my Instagram, which is Tom underscore underscore Osmond. But How'd you come up with that name? God, I don't know. It's imaginative, isn't it? But <laughs> by the time this episode goes out, which is, when is this going out? Uh, Thursday morning. Thursday. By the time this episode goes out, my website should be live, which will be tomosmond.com. I think is a domain name, domain name I've just bought. Um, <laughs> yeah, you might be able to check out that, but there's <laughs> a few promises on there that I haven't kept. So. No, I'm not going to promise that I'll be up on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, that's pretty much it. And just weather's nice at the moment. So I've been spending a lot of time outside and um, trying to get into a routine of training now that my um, week should be a bit more structured. Yeah. And that's kind of where we're going to go with this episode, isn't it? We're going to dig in a little bit into what it means to be in a rut, how it feels to be in a rut, and then some possible ways to get out of one, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Let's start with 
trying to define it, shall we? Um, we I, actually went to, I went to Google for this. That's, that's a good idea. Yeah. Shall I go first? Yeah, I'll see, I'll see if we've got similar stuff. Um, it said, in a settled or established habit or course of action, especially a boring one. A settled or established habit, especially a boring one. That's yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can see how that would be the definition of a rut. Yeah. That's not how I've been feeling personally. No. Talk talk to us about how you've been feeling. I feel like what I've been feeling also the other interesting thing is people talk about a rut for like a week, a month, for a year. Yeah. No, sorry. I've got way ahead of myself. People talk about being in a rut for like a week or a month, but not usually longer than that. I feel like I've been in a rut for, I get, well, I guess not one continuous rut actually. So that is a fair point, but like in and out for like three or four years in terms of my career and how I've been feeling is you feel like you're working really, really hard, putting all of this time and effort into something and you feel like you're just not moving forward or progressing how you would like to. Um, Yeah. And it just seems a bit tedious. Life seems a bit flat. You feel like you're not really going where you want to in life. That's kind of how I'd sum up my last three or four years professionally, I suppose. Do you think that it's possible to differentiate or do you think that being in a rut kind of spills over? Because obviously if we think of it like, I, I like to think of um, emotions like sort of cups of milk. Do you think that if you're in a rut in your professional bit, it kind of overflows and spoils the rest of it? Or is it just one area that's kind of spoiled? Uh, I'd say yes and no, because obviously I'm still, like, if I think about those three or four years, definitely the last year has probably been the worst for, like, a number of reasons. Um, But I feel like I've still had good points over that year. But a lot of the time I found, like, because I was going through that professionally, when I was outside of work, I felt like I couldn't really be asked to do anything else. Yeah. I sent you that um infographic didn't I of signs your signs of burnout but yeah that was it signs of burnout I couldn't think of the terminology but what which might be I guess is a more like severe form of a rut feeling burnt out but yeah. one of the symptoms on there was feeling like you've got no energy to do anything outside of work should I go through the other ones yeah we're kind of going um, already aren't we but I that's probably a better way of describing how I felt actually burnout compared to being in a rut but I feel like there's a lot of similarities there yeah absolutely um so they had exhaustion dreading work trouble sleeping depression or low mood feeling like you're drowning short temper and then like you said sort of not no motivation or time for out of work activities yeah I was only probably two or three of those things um like occasionally dreaded getting into work definitely felt low energy wasn't sleeping well and yeah, no motivation or energy to do stuff outside of work. That's kind of how I how I felt the last six or seven months. Yeah. Uh, so we sort of be bouncing ideas around, weren't we, when you were thinking of staying at City, not staying at City, what were the pros and cons of, of different bits? And I don't want to get too far ahead, but thinking about like the sunk cost fallacy within that as well. Yeah, that was a huge thing for me. And I've made, I made some notes on that. You yeah. skipped ahead to my notes, aren't you? Sorry. <laughs> You start, you start. Yeah, well, so did you have anything to add on, like, what um, you've seen other people go through, what you've gone through yourself in terms of being in a rut? Because I feel like everyone goes through it, and I think that's a really comforting thing to know. Yeah, um, they absolutely do go through it. I think I probably struggle with the emotional ones the most, I would say, in terms of, 
like feelings of frustration or annoyance, um, like getting in a, in a rut where you're in a position that everything just seems to irritate you. Do you know what I mean? Like that that short temper that we just mentioned for burnout. I think that's one of the the big signs and symptoms for me of when I'm overdoing it is I have to work very hard to extend that fuse. Um, so yeah, I think for me, I've seen that and I don't want to go too much into the sunk cost fallacy bit, but I think that's the bit that holds people in a rut for longer. Yeah, for sure. And that's what extends it. I think there's so many different things that can put you there. Um, you know, I've spoken to people about dating who, you know, feel like they've gone on a string of bad dates or no dates, um, or they're seeing somebody and they know it's going nowhere and they actually don't like each other very much, but they stay in that, that kind of relationship. And I think that can be described as a rut as well. You know, we're covering like a few different areas of life here. Um, but what holds you there, I think, is quite constant. But what can put you there can be quite diff- like different for different people. Yeah. And what you were saying before, when you were talking about um, how you feel emotionally when you're in a rut, I think when you're in that headspace, it's really easy to fall into that victim mindset where the world and everything's against me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the world's against me. There's nothing I can do to change it. Um, everything I try doesn't work anyway. You know, I think these classic um, lies that we tell ourselves really, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think it's comforting to know, though, and I think that for me, the idea that it's shared it is comforting, that it's, it is happening to everyone at some point. Yeah, and the likelihood is you will go through it again at some point. So hopefully the stuff that we're going to come on to cover in the podcast today will be useful for some people out there listening to um, help get yourself out of it. Yeah, or even guard against it, you know, and try and, you know, notice the signs early and try and stay yourself away in the future. Yeah. Uh, anything else to touch on that? Should we move on to how we, what we think are some good ideas or what we've tried previously to help get ourselves out of that? Uh, one other thing I'd, I'd say as well is we're kind of going to touch on this, I guess, because one thing I think is really useful is to always have um, some routine of exercise to help get yourself out of that rut because it's about getting forward momentum again. But one of the other things that I noticed is I'd still go to the gym, but I just kind of not really apply myself or go through the motions and not really get anything out of it. And my training would stop progressing as well. And I just hit these plateaus when I've felt like I've been in a rut. Yeah. Cause everyone has, uh, I think it's important to make a difference between like, a day or two of being tired or whatever and you don't have a great session and I'm I'm a big fan of the the better than nothing session where you don't feel like going but you do turn up and actually just being there moving being active was better than you know staying in bed or, or whatever it was but um if you're going through that for an extended period of time like every session is yeah. like that then I would, I would I would agree with that for most people but not some like I wouldn't agree with that for myself because I'd train so much anyway I think I'm better off just taking that time off yeah fair but if, if you're if you're still trying to get in that um routine or habit of training consistently then then i'd um, be inclined to agree with you yeah so again there's another variance like this is really quite a nuanced um topic to discuss really isn't it yeah so i think the first really practical bit of advice is um when you because one of the symptoms is, and I definitely felt this, is feeling like you've got no direction or like no clear path of what your future is going to look like. So doing that vision planning stuff and really being clear on where you want to be in five, ten years, I think is really, really helpful. Um, which I've like we, we spoke about like career wise, I've been going through so many different options, 
Um, and hopefully I'm going to stick to this one and not go back and forward with, with different ideas this time because I've tried a lot of careers over the last four or five years. So hopefully I'll, I'll settle on this one and stick with it because ultimately that will, that's what will dictate my success in, in that field. But having that clearer path of where I want to go and what I want to do has really, really helped me. And I feel so motivated at the moment to work on myself and work on the business I'm trying to build. Yeah, I suppose like effort without direction is like just being dropped in the middle of the ocean and just swimming, isn't it? You might be going away from the nearest shore. Yeah. You know, you, you need a you need a compass, you need a bearing, don't you? Yeah. So that, that that's that's the first thing that I spent a lot of a lot of time thinking about um this week. Any anything else to add on that? Um no, I do like, like do you feel like you're super clear on where you want to be in like five and ten years? Because I, I feel like career wise you do. Yeah, career wise, I definitely do. Um other aspects, I would say I'm a little less clear. Um for example, uh, I spoke about how we passed the the channel swim assessment. Um yeah. so like two, maybe three weeks ago now. Um and I really built this up in my mind, the the difficulty of this challenge, and then did the assessment, did it really well, and just hit a massive low and was like, I'm not sure I even want to continue for the next five or six weeks training. I'm actually not sure I want to do the event itself. Uh, and had a couple of weeks where I just going to training, doing it, not enjoying it, not understanding why I wanted to do it in the first place. So I think for me, something to reevaluate, because now I've got that motivation back again, is the what's next and the motivations behind why I choose certain challenges because I've chosen some in the past and injured myself doing it and things like that. So I think whilst I'm very clear on lots of things, I would like a little bit of direction or refocus about kind of what comes next physically. Yeah. It is interesting, isn't it? If, Firstly, I think that's really common as well. People always talk about the post-games depression when people train years and years and years to go to the games and they go and do it and they might do really, really well. And then after that, they just think, well, what now? And end up um, with low mood or depression. Because I think I've, sp I've spoken about swimming the channel every day for the last six months. Yeah. That's not even the number of times I've thought about it. I've definitely, I think I've at least said it out loud once a day. Yeah, you've probably thought about it 40, 50 times a day. Yeah, for six months. It's become all-consuming, which I think if you want to achieve something, there's an element of it needing to be all-consuming. Like you're saying with building this business, it needs to be your passion. It needs to be the thing that you're going to do in order to be a successful asset. Yeah. Difficulty is trying to change lanes once you're in that yeah. group. Yeah. Well, I'm, I was really frustrated with myself because I'm going down the same path that I was going to a year ago, but it's just been pushed back a year. And in a different country. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing I was thinking about when you were talking about understanding your motivation for doing something, and it's really easy to relate this to training because people start it for extrinsic reasons, like wanting to lose weight or build muscle, look better. And that gets them so far down the road where, and it will probably push them towards their goal. And if they stick with it long enough, they'll become intrinsically motivated and they'll do it because people will say things like, because I, I do it because I love it. It's just like who I am. It's part of me. It's my passion. Yeah. Um, 
But I don't really know what changes between between the two. I, I guess it's similar for your channel swim. It was probably, I don't know, the status or wanting the sense of achievement of saying you completed the channel swim. You do a load of swimming, start to enjoy swimming. But then, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the realisation that, do you know what? I was going to try and put my finger on it, but I, I can't tell you. Well, and I feel that's yeah. a really good point because, you know, the psychologist, um, Carl Jung? I've heard the name, but not familiar with much of the... But he'll always talk about the conscious self versus the unconscious self, and people often don't know why they do the things that they do. Yeah. And there's this whole debate over whether you whether you actually have such a thing as free will. Yeah. Say this is going to go super off topic, but I find it an interesting. <laughs> um, what's the word? Interesting theory. Say you've got a donut in front of you. You don't know whether you're going to eat that or not. It would like eventually it will just happen, but you don't actually have any control over it. Okay. So you, you you can't control the thoughts that are going to arise in your head. Yeah. To say this thought comes up that you go, oh, I'm going to eat that and you eat it. Yeah. You can't control that thought arising. Equally, the thought might be, no, I'm not going to eat that donut. But you can control whether you act on that thought or not. Yeah, well, this this is a debate, I think, or what I understand of the debate. Otherwise, we say like people can't be held accountable for anything that they do. Yeah, and this is why people argue so hardly against it. <laughs> yeah, not from the positive perspective, but from the, the potential negative side. I'm definitely not an expert in that area, but if you listen to Sam Harris talk about free will, it's really, really interesting. Yeah. That's kind of messing my mind a little bit, that. Yeah. But the the idea that we can't control the thoughts that arise, I can definitely definitely see that. And if you ever do meditation, you just let those thoughts, like, come and pass. So, yeah, I think you're right. We can control whether we act on, act on it or not. But obviously, that has a big influence because your your thoughts often dictate your behaviour. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you might have some quite conflicting ones as well. Yeah. Um, I would say the battle that I most commonly fight is training being a 10 out of 10 and nutrition being like a a, a generous two. Yeah. You know, they're really, really conflicting. Yeah. I'm one just much easier to motivate than the other. Yeah. Yeah, it's harder to... I, I find the same. It's harder to be controlled with my diet. And somebody asked me the other day, can you out-train a poor diet? And I said, I don't know, but I'm giving it a good go. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a couple of people that have tried that 10,000 calorie challenge. Have you seen that? They've both failed so far. I can imagine they have. 10,000 is hideous. So, so far, the the evidence would say, no, you can't out-train a bad diet. All right. Well, I'm going to keep experimenting anyway. Also, 10,000 calories is a ridiculous amount of calories. Yeah, it's obscene. Interestingly, the first person that tried it ate the calories, didn't do the exercise. The second person did all the exercise and couldn't eat the calories. <laughs> okay. So, I guess it's 50 50 that you could out train a bad diet. He'd end up in yeah. a calorie deficit that day. Okay. Yeah. Depending on the accuracy of calorie trackers and all of that. So it's probably still way off, but. Heck of a lot of exercise to do there, isn't it? Yeah. And obviously, that was all he did all day. So if you've got a job, you can't do that. No, no. There you go. Yeah, we've got another tangent. We're good at that. Yeah. Where, uh, where do we get to? So the first, yeah, first practical bit of advice is have a clear direction of where you want to go. Yeah, can't I can't say fair on that. I don't think. 
second you'll love this one second practical bit of advice make your bed each morning oh fantastic i yeah. did it today. did you i chuck i think i can see it in the background for those who are gonna watch oh, this this is a spare bedroom oh damn it <laughs> um but the idea of making your bed in the morning is getting an early win and that gives you a bit of momentum for the day because when you're in a rut I picture it as being like stuck there and you need to just try and get some sort of forward momentum and yeah. that will lock on for the rest of your day and then you try and keep that momentum going. I would link that really closely as well to um, feelings of being overwhelmed and anxious. Now, I'm not talking about anxiety. I'm just talking about feeling anxious. So I think it's really important to make a clear distinction between those. One's a diagnosable condition and one is something that we might feel, you know, every couple of days um, about certain events or about, the magnitude of work that we've got to do and similar to the bed thing i've had conversations recently where i've just said even with myself just do the simplest thing like you're like oh my god i've got all of this stuff going on i don't know how to to change lanes and to get out of this and like you say with making the bed in the morning just do the simplest thing whatever is easiest to complete do that first and then you've completed something and by finishing it you then create you become the type of person that completes things yeah. People also talk about doing the hardest thing first, but I'm not for that. No, I, I completely disagree with that. Yeah, I think start of the easiest thing and then... Yeah, until we talk about mindset in a couple of weeks, we talk about eating the frog and and then I'll be... In eating the frog, that's what people call it. Yeah, eating the frog, doing the hardest thing first. But I think... I think there's a difference comes... between doing what's easy and hard and doing what's urgent and important. Yeah, but also it depends on the state that you're in. You know, you may actually in that cycle, like in that moment, you may not be capable of doing the hardest thing. Yeah. Like for whatever reason, maybe you're exhausted or like emotionally, you just don't have the capacity to deal with something that's going to take you four hours to do. So actually getting that win allows you to later attempt said frog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> link, link to that. I don't do this myself but I might start doing it as I get busier. I'm not particularly busy at the moment, but making a list of things you need to do and linked to what I was kind of getting to there with what's urgent and important, you know, that Eisenhower matrix. Yeah. So the four quadrants, you want to spend most of your time doing the things that are important. Well, if it's important and it's urgent, you're going to do it because you don't normally have a choice. If it's, urgent but not important they're the things that we really need to try and not do but normally end up doing just like procrastinating on your phone if it's important but not urgent that's that's really where i think most people should spend their time but often don't yeah and then if it's not urgent and it's not important you just need to get rid of it so i feel like if you make a list it could be really easy to refine down what you need to do that that way with that matrix and almost have it in like movable columns or on a whiteboard where you can move it into those different quadrants mm. so yeah. i think some some days you make a list and then the list gets longer by the end of the day yeah yeah and, you, and you've done the non-important urgent or something like that that links back what you just said that said there though writing it down on a whiteboard or something linking back to your vision or where you want to be or Goal setting, I suppose, is probably the best way to think of it. Right, I'm actually, I'm going to do this tomorrow, you know, and I'm going to put a photo of it on our Instagram. But write write down your goals for six months or 12 months, where, where you want to be at that point. Yeah, I think this is really interesting. So 
the way that we do that. And I've been reading, um, I'm going to butcher his name, so that's good. Uh, Naval. I probably know it. Naval, Naval Ravikant. Ravikant. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I've I've hated his book. But uh, I really liked it. I'm reading, I don't know if it's written by him, but it's basically a, a snapshots from his other books, his interviews, his tweets, and it's just all been compiled in one place. And the reason I don't like it is because it doesn't align with anything that I'm about. The whole book so far, up until actually the last chapter has been quite good, but the first... Oh, crazy wealth, isn't it? Yeah, it's all about wealth and it's all about making money. And he contradicts himself left, right and centre um, the whole way through. It has no theme. Anyway, I'm not here just to slag off this book. Um, but one thing he does mention at one point before he disagrees with himself is about creating systems for success. So even if you don't know exactly where it is you're going, your goal can be to create um, certain processes in your life that allow you, that give you the opportunity to be successful. And I think that that's something that I've definitely done professionally over the last couple of years where I haven't actually known precisely what the next step will be or the next opportunity, but I've worked in a way and, and created a, a, a profile and, and, a, and a way of doing things that give you the opportunity to be successful when it does arise. Does that make sense? Yeah, kind of. So instead of working directly yeah. towards an end point, you're working more like a process goal, basically. Yeah. What I found relatable when you were talking then was, I feel like I've been similar in the sense of I've kind of just developed this skill set in an area that I'm really, really interested in. Yeah. But what, what I was going to relate it to, which is the two things that stuck with me the most from his book, was the first one was about the different types of luck. Yeah. And the the idea that you can create your own luck in the sense of if you just get really really good at something people will seek you out and you'll get the opportunity that way and i believe the example he gave was a scuba diver that could weld underwater or it was something abstract like that um and then they found this like sunken ship with like millions of gold coins on it or whatever and he had to like yeah because you're the only one that could do it yeah, so um, you create your own luck in that sense. It's the the golfer who I was just Googling, Gary Player. Um, the more I practice, the luckier I get. Yeah. Yeah, so again, that's a similar thing, like just putting yourself in that position where you've honed a skill set that somebody is going to want to use and then you're the person that they call upon. Yeah, that that's well phrased. Yeah. Well, that's what I was trying to say first time, but didn't. <laughs> the second thing that stopped me from his book was work like a, oh, I'm going to butcher it, work like a lion, not like a lamb. Is that what he said? Yeah. I don't think I've got to that bit. But the idea of that is you go through these periods where, or you know, you know the whole deep work concept. Yeah, yeah. So you work really, really hard for a couple of hours, then go and chill out, switch off, and then you might come back to it, but if you work really, really hard and then switch off, you'll be so much more productive in those two hours and you'll be in a better position versus Tim Ferriss talks about this in the four hour work week because people are paid nine to five. They'll go in and spend eight hours at their desk. Is that nine to five? Yeah. 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 They spend eight hours at their desk because they're paid to be there, but what they actually do in those eight hours could be done in two or three hours. Yeah. Sharks the size of their tank and all that. Yeah, yeah. So they were the two things that stuck for me from, from his books that I quite liked. Yeah. There is a theory, there's a name for that, isn't it? That tasks take the length of time you give them. 
Yeah, Parkinson's law. That's it. There you go. Not a theory, a law. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you gave yourself a set amount of time to do something, that's not to do with getting out. Of, it could be to do with getting out of a rut, but good practical bit of advice there. Yeah, something that, that I good. never do. Well, you have, you're going to have the website up by Thursday. <laughs> yeah. So I'm hoping it's going to be up tonight. Oh, perfect. There won't be a lot on it, but there'll be a website. That's all right. The start. Yeah. Um, other practical bits of advice for getting out of a rut. Um, You've written about change in our notes. Have I? Yeah. Did I elaborate on that or did I just put change? <laughs> <laughs> the um the way we've evolved to think about it the way we've evolved to think about change what was i thinking about with that well i've got an idea go on tell me your idea i'll see if it jumps my memory i think change is often per- um, perceived as a threat like we are home yeah we are designed to make things as comfortable and as easy and as consistent as possible and anything that changes that is automatically like the sympathetic nervous system, our adrenal system doesn't differentiate between good things and bad things. It's just stress because there's yeah. a change. And I remember a long time ago at uni looking at um, major life events and the risk of injury. And it was the same uh, percentage increase when you were looking at things like weddings versus things like funerals. You know, one's objectively positive and one's objectively negative. And yet they had the same impact on the body because our body can't differentiate. So I think probably that's where I would go with the idea of change. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that what I've written underneath that I just went back and looked was the things about barriers to change. Yeah. Like you said, that's one of the, the big barriers is we want to, we want to be safe and not in those stressful situations. Um, some other stuff I've written down, the pointless pursuit of perfection. Yeah. Go on, expand on that. That I feel like I get wrapped up in this all of the time with um, like training and program design, and I put body image underneath this as well, trying to attain like the perfect body image. Yeah. You're never, there's never ever going to be a perfection. You're never going to reach that endpoint. So, yeah, the a barrier to change could be getting wrapped up in that circle of chasing perfection or what's optimal, which is thrown around a lot in the fitness industry at the moment. Yeah, for sure um it's almost like paralysis by analysis is another good way of thinking about that yeah so long trying to work out every little minor detail that probably doesn't matter you just need to crack on and take action and do something yeah action breeds motivation so that's the idea of doing things actually is what creates motivation to be successful yeah um like putting your shoes on to go for the run once you've done that you've stepped out the door you you'll complete it Mm. um yeah for sure and i don't think and I haven't had a go at this in a while, but I don't think social media helps that because you could be feeling very good about yourself, open up your phone or or your whatever, and all of a sudden be made to feel quite insignificant. It's not like you have a bash at social media. I know. I like to change it up. Like... <laughs> <laughs> um, what else have I written? We've got stuff already. What was that? Relationships. Like us? <laughs> well, I do think it's important. Like you put in terms of, and if we link it directly to being in a rut, I think the relationships that you have with the people around you are, are really, really important to yeah. su- to support you while you're in it, and to help 
you get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not the job. It's not, you know, it's not somebody else's job to get you out of the rut, but I think it's a hell of a lot easier with other people around you. Yeah. As I get older and older, I'm wiser and wiser. <laughs> I think that the, the quality of your life directly proportional to the quality of your relationships. Yeah, 100%. Which throws up some really, really interesting things like people moving, like I did, across the country for a job where you're probably going to be isolated and not really know anyone, which was definitely one of the reasons why I found it a lot harder in Manchester. Yeah. The, um, I was listening to... Um... It might have been Simon Sinek talking about loneliness and how loneliness is linked to um, like coronary heart disease, uh, yeah. uh, like negative health connotations associated with it. Have you seen the Harvard happiness study? Yeah, that's that was where I was going to go with this. The Harvard happiness study was where the greatest um, like metric or factor that can increase life expectancy is is love and the quality of relationships. So men will live 12 years longer on average and women will live seven years longer on average if they're married. Yeah. They, they equated being lonely to smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of, it's very difficult to directly measure that, I think, whereas with smoking, you can, but yeah, hundred percent the the quality of the relationships that you have around you and, and are you then compounding being in a rut by feeling like you don't have anywhere to turn or anyone to talk to? Mm, yeah. That's, that's difficult. I think we've, we've pretty much covered that one, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. I've got the sunk cost fallacy on my notes next, but we were, oh, did we speak about it? No, we said we we're going to talk about it now. Oh, should we talk about it now? Yeah, we talk about it now if you want. <laughs> so, you, you can explain what the sunk cost fallacy is. So the sunk cost fallacy is the idea that we proceed with a course of action based on what we've already invested, not what it will return from that point forwards. Yeah. So for me, the things I fixated on with leaving my job was um, I've invested, what, five years of university, uh, two years of working for free, and then six years of actually working in the industry. Yeah. And that was the thing that was really, really um, preventing me from moving into a different career. And then when I finally did make the decision to leave the industry, and I don't know if we spoke about it on the podcast, obviously we've spoken about it, but I was going to move to Singapore and do some personal training out there. And that's when I was doing all of my online coaching. And on the day my visa got approved was the, the same day that uh, Man City offered me the job to stay with them. And I was so, so torn. But And it's this is exactly the reason why I chose to stay in Manchester. It was because of that sunk cost fallacy, I thought. I finally made the decision to leave. And then I got offered this like lifeline to stay in the industry and I thought it would all work out and be happily ever after. But actually, I just ended up with the same frustrations I had before, yeah. uh, which, is, which is why. And then I've obviously ended up leaving a year later. But again, I think it's quite a brave move to have done that a year later again, isn't it? Because it doesn't get any easier the longer you spend in it. No, it gets harder. And that's, yeah, that's why I made that decision. Yeah. And I think that's present in lots of different areas of life as well, isn't it? Work's a really easy one to, to kind of quantify, but I think relationships as well. You see people who are maybe 
less than happy with the relationship they're in, but because they've invested a lot of time, effort, money, maybe um, shared home ownership or something like that, you know, this sort of stay with people because it's more hassle to leave than than to stay. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's a good one. Obviously, I've never been in a relationship long enough to <laughs> have to deal with that one. <laughs> it's a whole other episode, that isn't it? What dating? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> never know. One day. Uh, fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Tom underscore underscore Osmond on Instagram. Yeah, check me out. <laughs> female <laughs> um, um, what else have I written down on my notes you've gone for negative self-talk and feelings are not facts see the, I shouldn't say this actually I don't know if I get in trouble we can cut this out if it's not alright can't we yeah yeah it's not that bad I was thinking and listening to people talk about being in a rut while I was driving so my my notes are more succinct <laughs> because I was driving <laughs> Right. Can we keep that in the podcast or am I going to get arrested? Let's just say that you were doing it on the audio mode, yeah? You're, yeah, I was talking to my phone. You can, can't you? I don't know. Yeah, I can confess that I used to write reports on audio. Did you? Yeah, match reports, like, done some... Because you're doing the same thing. You just say it and then you just copy and paste it and send it over. Yeah. It's quicker than typing, that's all. Yeah, that is decent. But we can't, we kind of spoke about... It is kind of linked negative self-talk and being the victim. Yeah. Like you spoke about it as well, the stories you tell yourself. What what you perceive is not necessarily the reality or the fact of the situation, but we get wrapped up in the emotion of it. Yeah. And yeah. Makes you make silly what was that? That there are different truths, aren't there? And the way that you view you is not the way that somebody else does. And that can be positive and negative. Yeah, I was trying to remember the different types of truth. Obviously, there's objective truth. I can't remember the other ones. I think there's three types of truth. Okay, I'll get on the research, don't worry. Yeah, you research that. Um, then some other practical tips I had. Um, we've touched on this one. Have a plan, write it down, track your progress. I was, I was actually spoke about that in relation to like training programs. And that can help you get that initial momentum we spoke about. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you're like me and you train all the time anyway, having the key part of that is having that plan instead of just going in and doing stuff because you kind of know what you're doing, but you're not really doing anything with any purpose. You're just going through the motions and not training with any intensity and just hitting those plateaus that we spoke about. And for me, that was probably from January up until now. I've just kind of been going through the motions and training. Yeah. Um, that kind of the other one I wrote down was read a chapter a week or 20 pages a day or something like that again the idea of just getting that initial momentum and then that yeah. should spill over into the other areas, other, other areas of your life so there's a couple of things I want to actually just mention quickly about reading um, because I think well, personally I read a hell of a lot more now and I've really found a, a niche and an area that I love to read about because we do this and well, when, don't tell me to sleep. Lawson will be over the moon. <laughs> no, just in general, I love reading about the idea of like personal development and yeah. I don't like the term self-help, um, but the sort of personal improvement uh, is probably a nicer way to 
um, to think about. So I love reading about those things, um, which I never would have got into if we hadn't done this. And, and my point with that is um, something I did like about Naval's book was he said, successful people read. So just find something that you like reading. It doesn't have to be in that personal improvement. It can be, you know, like stories. It can be newspapers. It can be magazines. It doesn't matter just so long as you are reading. And then again, action breeds motivation and you'll just read more and more and more and you'll still gain knowledge. Yeah. The one thing I, I, I feel like I went through that a couple of years ago. And the one bit of advice I'd give for people if they are going through that is um, like implementation beats just reading tons and tons of stuff. Like you're better off reading one book in six months and actually applying what it says in there versus reading a new book every week and just churning through it and not actually changing anything in your life. Sure. But when you're passionate about a topic, like, yeah, obviously it's different to just learning about it instead of if you don't need to implement it because you're not having whatever problem they're talking about. Yeah. Um, I did think it was interesting. I, it was a podcast. I can't remember who it was. Spoke about how we have a huge self-help um, section. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. I don't know why I said dollars. No, they didn't. The thing pounds um, industry. And yet there's no discussion or talk about like help others. Like we don't have a help others section. And actually, when we talk about the quality of relationships that we mentioned earlier, yeah. helping others is probably one of the biggest things that can give us internal satisfaction. Yeah. If you look at Maslow's hierarchy, that's like the very top of his pyramid. Yeah. And helping others. Exactly, exactly that. And I think that's something to bear in mind. Um, but before we move on and get too far away, I've got our three types of truth. Oh, here we go. Yeah. We've got the objective truth, which is what exists and can be proved in this physicality. Yeah, so like you could prove that in a lab that is that is exactly that. Yeah. yeah. Um, the normative truth, the truth is what we as a group agree is true. Yeah. And the subjective truth is how the individual sees or experiences the world. Yeah. So when we talk about that, the negative self-talk, it's mainly the subjective truth that we're talking about. It's not objectively true. Yeah, exactly. The normative truth is an interesting one where obviously you get these echo chambers and group think, but and again, you... social media does that to you. Yeah, like the flat earthers and whatever whatever else. Yeah, there's a huge amount of that out there with all these algorithms and things. It just shows you more of what you've looked at. Yeah. The, the other thing is that's probably going to get a lot worse because the amount of fake information out there is growing and growing and growing. Yeah. And this is where AI runs into all of those issues. I don't know if you've like been experimenting with chat GBT. No, I haven't. I mean, it's, it's coming more and more into the education sector as it looks to threaten the integrity of coursework and things like that. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine that anybody listening to this podcast wants to hear about coursework. So <laughs> you must have heard that one story where someone typed in what was unique about the end of the F1 season last year. And I'm going to make this up as well. So I didn't watch F1 last year, but Lewis Hamilton didn't win. Um, who's the guy that did win? You've got no idea either. I'm an F1 noob. I know nothing about it. It will come to me in a second. But anyway, it's um the chat bot said that Lewis Hamilton won. Max Verstappen. Yeah, so Max won it, Lewis didn't, but it said Lewis won. And it had it just made up some reason why. Basically, what happened, there was a safety car late on in the race, Remember which this, yeah. Yeah. So Max ended up winning. Um, but that fake story is obviously out there somewhere, which is what this chat bot is picking up on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um Yes, there's a lot out there that, that can be confusing with that that idea of truth as well, can't it? Yeah. Um, 
but the normative truth is interesting as well because um yeah you get all these different camps and like you said social media does make it make it worse but then people intentionally try and polarize online to get that tribe or community so they buy their product or whatever they're selling yeah it, it gains because all these algorithms like clicks and shares and how long you spend looking at it if it's something controversial even if you don't agree with it you might watch it because you it amuses you yeah to see that sort of thing you might send it to me and be like oh look how ridiculous this was but actually just by doing that the motivations for your sharing don't matter the fact that you shared it is going to promote this type of post yeah yeah so keep an eye out for all of my polarizing social media posts <laughs> and then buy my training buy my yeah. training programs because no one else knows what they're talking about except me um you've got your your practical applications um you've got four of them at the bottom here yeah so this is one that I heard someone talking about, and this is probably less PC than we would be, but he said, don't hang out with losers. But the idea that you're the sum of the five people, or the average of the five people, I shouldn't say the sum of, the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, which I think is really, really true. Yeah. Um. So if those people aren't going to lift you up, they're, they're probably going to pull you down. Yeah. His suggestion was to try and hang around with people that are doing better with you in life or where you aspire to be in life that can be different qualities can't it you know if you think i think what people immediately jump to there is finance and you could be very very rich but very very lazy versus somebody who maybe works in the volunteer section sector that works very very hard and has a lot of really good character traits yeah and and that's the type of person that can lift you and and create a better version of your person yeah well, success is different to everyone isn't it yeah and and how you measure that is entirely up to you yeah subjective truth <laughs> no i know what that is <laughs> yeah um then we spoke about one the other one right to do is for the following day make your bed in the morning get those early wins and it's that snowball effect of success and confidence and success and it'll just snowball 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 hopefully yeah um and you've put routine into that as well yeah morning morning routines are so overblown i think or overhyped but what my current morning routine is wake up make a coffee sorry andrew huberman but i'm not waiting an hour (laughs) (laughs) i wake up and make a coffee so i normally train in the morning um and obviously caffeine takes a bit of time to I said a lie. So what I did this morning was I smashed my pre-workout. Yeah. Then I made a coffee. Yeah. Came back upstairs, made my bed, um, journaled, meditated, which is really weird when you're kind of like tingling off a pre-workout. Yeah, I can imagine it is. <laughs> so I might alter my morning routine a little bit, but I'm not saying I've got it nailed down yet. Um, meditated and then packed my stuff for the day because then after I trained I trained in the garage gym this morning so packed my stuff so I can come and shower make breakfast and head straight to work yeah and that, how long did that take before, uh, before you got to the gym how how long did that meditation having a coffee like how long was that part of the day but making the coffee is probably the most time consuming out of, <laughs> out of all of that so I have to grind the beans and do all that stuff so yeah. nah, uh, making the coffee took like 
five minutes. Um, meditation, I just use the Headspace app, which is like they're about 12 minutes long each day. Yeah. I'm doing the, I think it's called the five minute journal, but you literally write down three things you're looking forward to that day. Three things that would make that day really good, a positive affirmation. And then before you go to bed, you write down three good things that happened that day. And and your role within them. Do you do that as well? Yeah, I think it is your and your role within them. That was that yeah. last session. I'm only on my third day of doing it. So creating that sense of agency, then and understanding <laughs> the part that we play in good things in our lives. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Which I think if we relate that being back to being in a rut, the understanding that when something good happens, if we're in a rut, we can think that it's just happened by chance but oh, actually yeah. identify that you had a part playing it then it can help lift you out of that rut a bit quicker i think yeah and that's one of the things that i love about training like it shows people that you get in, you get out what you put into it yeah. so if you train hard and you're consistent you'll get stronger you'll probably put, build some muscle you'll probably lose some fat but you can control the outcome yeah obviously genetics play quite a big role in that but to project then yeah um so yeah, that takes like five minutes in the morning, five minutes before bed. Uh, obviously, like five minutes to pack my stuff. So it's it's not it's not hugely time consuming. Like these people that like wake up and meditate for like half an hour and then go for a half an hour walk and yeah. all this other stuff. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not willing to get out of bed that early to do all that <laughs> stuff. But yeah. I feel like if I can be consistent with a couple of things, that'll be more beneficial than having this like mad morning routine that takes like an hour and I do it for like a week and I'm like, I'm not getting up at five o'clock tomorrow morning because I don't want to do that. No, the interesting sure. thing is obviously when, now that I'm starting to pick up more PT clients and say my earliest start is 5.45. Um, so it's, yeah, it's whether like I shift that and do it before bed or I would like to stick, I'd like to stick with it or maybe I do it like on my morning break or something, but yeah. And again, I feel like if I can do it five out of seven days, that's still pretty good going. Consistency, yeah. Like I'm I'm like people aren't these robots saying just like churn out this morning routine. But I feel like if you can be largely consistent with it. Cause like at the end of the day, if I had to pick three things that I think make the biggest difference, um, like eating a good diet, sleeping well, and training regularly, like all of that would trump any of this morning routine stuff. Cause I I think you're absolutely right in terms of like we're not robotic and if we just go through the motions because we feel we should like I've done meditative practices before got up and gone that was crap and I've started the whole thing again because I've not I've not actually engaged with it and done it properly I've just done it so that I could tell myself I meditated yeah even when even when it's 12 minutes I find myself checking it to see how far along the bar I am and I think I've got another five minutes of this yeah (laughs) it's not always like that but for me that's probably like that 50% 50% of the time, I reckon. Yeah. Like fully engaging with the process. Obviously, yeah. your ability to like pay attention and um, focus gets better from doing it. But I'm just a bit out of the habit of it at the moment. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I will look forward to hearing some updates on that as, as we move forwards. Saying that, even if I start at 5.45, I should be able to, because those two things are literally 15 minutes. Like I yeah. should be able to stick to that. And your last bit is evening routine, sleep and blue light blocking. Yeah, obviously we've spoken about why well, I just mentioned it, the importance of sleep. Yeah, we could do four one-hour episodes on that. Yeah, <laughs> shouldn't we? <laughs> um, so obviously the blue light's just related to 
improving your sleep quality. And then, yeah, the evening routine is something I've been playing with. So I'm going with read a chapter or 20 pages before bed instead of scrolling your foot on your phone or watching TV or something that's just not going to stimulate you as much. So you should be able to fall asleep better. But the biggest thing I'm struggling with at the moment is just waking up really early and not being able to get back to sleep. Yeah, I don't have that issue. You're not alarm wakes you up every day? Yeah, probably the third alarm as well. Yeah, I've two, two on my watch and then my phone goes off. Oh, I'd love that problem. One thing I'm tempted to try is going to bed later, which sounds counterintuitive, but it just like teaches you to um, stay asleep until your, until your alarm goes off. I think that was one of the, the good lessons I did learn from the research on sleep was not being in bed awake. So if I'm not ready to go to sleep anymore, I don't. I read until I'm practically falling asleep and then I'll just fall asleep. Yeah. yeah I don't spend time in bed awake. Yeah, we better get off the topic of sleep before Lawson. <laughs> before he gets upset again. Um, and yeah, that was pretty pretty much the the big take homes for me. Yeah, do you um do you want to give us like another summation? I know we've had quite a good one there, but in terms yeah. of what we covered today, yeah. So a big one. So you're stuck in a rut. What I would do to try and get out of that is be really clear on your vision have some clear direction of where you want to go or who you want to be, which I think I've finally got to in terms of the rut I've been in. Um, make your bed each morning. Try meditation and journaling. They're the things that I'm experimenting with. Um, train and have a training program to try and get some sort of momentum going. What else do we talk about? My mind's gone blank relationships yeah relationships and the people you surround yourself with so try and surround yourself with people that are going to lift you up or inspire you to take action or be motivated and nighttime routine to improve your sleep quality i agree with everything you said that i'm going to take the relationship bit one further and surround yourself with people that care as well that that want to help you and want to listen and want to be there while you're in that rut um we talk you know if you like if you won the lottery how many extra friends would you have overnight and and how many of them are actually quality friends and quality people that you have around you so um like uh the happiness the harvard happiness study said like the quality of those relationships really important as well yeah i might did I speak about this before? I might be making it up, but they think when you get into a relationship, you lose one or two close friends because of the the time commitments of. Yeah, you, yeah, you know, definitely. That's definitely come up, and yeah, I think it's because oh, everybody who wants to say, "Oh no, I don't do that." Every yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. Talk about my dating life then, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I couldn't resist. That was a bit of an open net, that one, wasn't it? <laughs> um, cool. Well, thanks all for listening. <laughs> Next week, we're going to talk about... Uh, what we've got, we special, got a special guest coming up, haven't we? I think that's going to be the week after, isn't it? I don't know if week you after. Um, we're going to look at um topic of mindset, uh, what it is, how it can how it can change your life basically positively and negatively and then what you can do to influence your mindset wow what are you reading 
<laughs> uh, well, I've already read uh, large parts of Carol Dweck's growth mindset, like The Power of Yet. Oh, yeah, I've read that. The Power yeah. of Now. Oh, I've read something about The Power of Yet. But I can't do that yet. Oh, right. Yeah, the idea that we, we, we can do things. Growth mindset, we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I've read the book. Um, on a, is that just called Growth Mindset? Yeah. Has she got a book called Growth Mindset? And I'm sure, I'm sure there's a book called The Power of Now. Power of Yet might be like a follow-up or something. So the, the message I took away from it was The Power of Yet. Um, anyway, tune in next week to find out about that one. And yeah, we, like you said, we're going to do a bit of a series on mindset. So we'll start with growth mindset and fixed mindset and follow up from there. Yeah, looking forward to it. Cool. See you all next week and thanks for listening.